Hello, my friends, and uh, welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. And today, uh, we're going to look into uh, the Gospel of Mark. We're going to study that. Uh, again, we're going to go to the baptism of uh, Jesus. So, uh, this is going to be episode 70, uh, 174. Once again, my name is Net Jabbar. And this is the Informed Catholic. So, uh, let's begin uh, the prayer before reading scripture. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, you instructed the hearts of thy faithful. By the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us by the same Holy Spirit to have right judgment in all things and ever rejoice in his consolation. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Christe eleison, Christe eleison, Christe eleison. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison. Lord, come to my assistance. God, make haste to help me. Lord, open my lips that I may give you praise. And Lord, open the sacred word to us. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. All right. So, um, the gospel according to Mark. So the passage we're going to focus on is the baptism of our Lord. Okay. Now we'll go a little step further back. Um, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And as he was coming up out of the water, he beheld the heavens break open and the spirit descending upon him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. So, we're going to read it one more time. This is uh, chapter 1, verse 9 to 11. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And he was, And as he was coming up out of the water, he beheld the heavens break open, and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. Okay. All right, so I am going to read from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. This is uh, Part 1, The Profession of Faith, and I'm going to read uh, up to from Article 436 down to 438. And this is going to be on Christ and the title of uh, the title of Christ and the baptism. All right. 436. The word Christ comes from the Greek translation of the Hebrew Messiah or Mashiach, which means anointed. It becomes the name proper to Jesus only because he accomplished perfectly the divine mission that Christ signifies in effect in Israel, those 
consecrated to God for a mission that he gave were anointed in his name. This was the case for kings, for priests, and in rare instances, instances for prophets. This had to be the case all the more so for the Messiah whom God would send to inaugurate his kingdom definitively. It was necessary that the Messiah be anointed by the Spirit, that is, the Holy Spirit of the Lord, at, of the Lord uh, at once as king and priest and also as prophet. Okay, let me read that part again. It was necessary that the Messiah be anointed by the, the Spirit, that is, the Holy Spirit of the Lord, at once as king and priest and also as prophet. So Jesus fulfills the messianic hope of Israel in his threefold office of priest, prophet, and king. Article 437. To the shepherds, the angels announced the birth of Jesus as Messiah promised to Israel. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. From the beginning, he was the one whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, conceived as holy in Mary's virginal womb. God called Joseph to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, so that Jesus, who is called Christ, should be born of Joseph's uh, born of Joseph's spouse into the messianic lineage of David. Okay, fourth article 438. Jesus' messianic consecration reveals his divine mission. For the name Christ implies he who anointed, he who was anointed, and the very anointing which was he which was which he was anointed. How can we read it one more time? It's a little uh, tongue twister there. Article 438, Jesus' messianic consecration reveals his divine mission. For the name Christ implies he who anointed, he who was anointed, and the very anointing with which he was anointed. The one who anointed is the Father. The one who was anointed is the Son, and he who was anointed with the Spirit, who is the anointing. All right. His eternal messianic consecration was revealed during the time of his earthly life, at the moment of his baptism. By John, when God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power that he might be revealed to Israel as its Messiah. His works and his words will manifest him as the Holy One of God. Okay, so I want to check out uh, two um, footnotes here, 727 and 537. Hold on. All right, this one here is the Mysteries of Jesus' Public Life. And we begin with uh, 535, the baptism of Jesus. Jesus' public life begins with his baptism by John in the Jordan. 
John preaches a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. A crowd of sinners, tax collectors, and soldiers, Pharisees and Sadducees and prostitutes come to be baptized by him. Then Jesus appears. The Baptist hesitates, but Jesus insists that and insists and receives baptism. Then the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove comes upon Jesus and a voice from heaven proclaims, this is my beloved son. This is the manifestation, epiphany of Jesus as Messiah of Israel and son of God. Okay, and we go on here to um, article 536. The baptism of Jesus is on his part the acceptance and inauguration of his mission as God's suffering servant. He allows himself to be numbered among sinners. He is already the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Already he is anticipating the baptism of his bloody death. Already he is coming to fulfill all righteousness. That is, he is submitting himself entirely to his Father's will. Out of love, he consents to this baptism of death. For the remission of, of our sins, the Father's voice responds to the Son's acceptance, proclaiming his entire delight in his Son. The Spirit whom Jesus possessed in fullness from his conceptions comes to rest on him. Jesus will be the source of the Spirit for all mankind. At his baptism, the heavens were opened. The, he the heavens that Adam's sin had closed and the waters were sanctified by the descent of Jesus and the Spirit, a prelude to the new creation. Article 537. Through baptism, the Christian is sacramentally assimilated to Jesus, who in his own baptism anticipates his death and resurrection. The Christian must enter into this mystery of humble self-abasement and repentance, go down into the water with Jesus in order to rise with him, to be reborn of water and the Spirit, so as to become the Father's beloved Son in the Son, and walk in newness of life. Okay, uh, there's a, a footnote here. Let us be buried with Christ by baptism to rise with him. Let us go down with him to be raised with him. Let us rise with him to be glorified with him. Everything that happened to Christ lets us know that after the, the bath of water, the Holy Spirit swoops down upon us from the high heaven and that adopted by the Father's voice, we become the sons of God. Okay, this is um, 628 here, the footnote here. It's very interesting. I'd like to know uh, who said that. Hold on. The uh, quotation here is from St. Hilary uh, Puyotaire's uh, I'm going to take a guess. It's a um, a commentary on Matthew. All right, but there's a there's still a little bit more here. Now we got to Article six twenty eight, baptism, the original and full sign, which is immersion of 
affectiously signifies the descent into the tomb by the Christian who dies in sin with Christ in order to live a new life. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, who uh, we too might walk in newness of life. Okay, I this is this is perfect. Okay, so now we'll look into Article uh, Seven Twenty Seven. This one here is titled "Christ Jesus." The entire mission of the Son and the Holy Spirit in the fullness of time is contained in this, that the Son is the one anointed by the Father's Spirit since his incarnation. Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. Everything in the second chapter of the Creed is to be read in this light. Christ's whole work is in fact a joint mission of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Here we shall mention only what has to do with Jesus' promise of the Holy Spirit and the gift of him by the glorified Lord. 728. Jesus does not reveal the Holy Spirit fully until he himself has been glorified through his death and resurrection. Nevertheless, little by little, he alludes to him he alludes to him even in his teaching of the multitudes as when he reveals that his own flesh will be food for the life of the world he also alludes to the spirit in speaking to nicodemus to the samaritan woman and to those who take part in the feast of tabernacles to his disciples he speaks openly of the spirit in connection with with prayer and with the witness they will have to be, will have to bear. Okay, we'll continue reading it here. Seven twenty nine. Only when the hour has arrived for his glorification does Jesus promise the coming of the Holy Spirit, since his death and resurrection will fulfill the promise made to the Father, the Spirit of Truth. The other paraclete will be given by the Father in answer to Jesus, Jesus' prayer. He will be sent by the Father in Jesus' name, and Jesus will send him from the Father's side since he comes from the Father. The Holy Spirit will come and we shall know him. We, he will be with us forever. He will remain with us. The Spirit will teach us everything. Remind us of all that Christ said to us and bear witness to him. The Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth and will glorify Christ. He will prove the world wrong about sin, righteousness, and judgment. Article 730. At last, Jesus' hour arrives. He commands his spirit into the Father's hands, and at the very moment when by his death, he conquers death so that he ra so that raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, he might immediately give the Holy Spirit by breathing on his disciples. From this hour onward, the mission of Christ and the Spirit becomes the mission of the church. As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. Okay, I think that's um, that's a good... Oh, commentary on what we're going to look into. Okay, so we have here the 
article from the uh, Catechism of the Catholic Church, 538, 539, 540. Jesus' temptation. The gospel speaks of a time of solitude for Jesus in the desert, immediately after his baptism by John. Driven by the Spirit into the desert, Jesus remains there for 40 days without eating. He lives among the wild beasts, and angels minister to him. At the end of this time, Satan tempts him three times, seeking to compromise his failure attitude towards God. Jesus rebuffs these attacks, which recapitulate the temptation of Adam in paradise and of Israel in the desert, and the devil leaves him until an opportune time. The evangelists indicate the salific meaning of this mysterious event. Jesus is the new Adam who remained faithful just where the first Adam had given in to temptation. Jesus fulfills Israel's vocation perfectly in contrast to those who had once provoked God during the 40 years in the desert, Christ reveals himself as God's servant, totally obedient to the divine will. In this, Jesus, in, uh, in this, Jesus is the devil's conqueror. He binds a strong man to take back his plunder. Jesus' victory over the tempter in the desert anticipates victory at the passion, the supreme act of obedience of his fellow love for the Father. Jesus' temptation reveals the way in which the Son of God is Messiah, contrary to the way Satan proposes to him and the way men wish to attribute to him. This is why Christ vanquished the tempter for us. For we, have, for we have not a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tested as we are, yet without sinning. By the solemn forty days of Lent, the Church unites herself each year to the mystery of Jesus in the desert. So, yeah, you see that... That right there is very important. He, he understands our weakness. He understands what we're going through. And yes, we have moments of weakness, moments of doubt. Um, we have things, each one of us has something we're addicted to. For some, it's food. For some, it's uh, addiction to pornography. For some, it's addiction to uh, spending. It's um, some, it's addiction to maybe video games and other things. There's all kinds of things that really, in a sense, is designed to hold us down. We get distracted, we fall back to old sins that are troublesome and causes arguments and strife with the family. Um, 
causes shame. And that's exactly what the devil wants. The devil wants us to be ashamed. He wants us to have doubts. He wants us to believe that we can't live up to it. And the truth is we can't live up to it. We don't have we don't we don't have any way of living up to it. This is why we need Christ. This is why this is important. We need him. And it's the only way we can feel we can we can really conquer these bad habits, these temptations. Christ is the answer. Anything else is worthless. Any other excuses we come up with, um, psychotherapy, uh, you know, even if you go to AA and you should, one should go there or get help with eating disorders, but you're not going to be able to do any of those things if you don't have the strength of Christ, if you don't have Christ in your life. And that's the only way. And, you know, all these other things, they're good and important, but not without prayer, not without virtues. That's another thing we need. We need to cultivate these virtues. We need to study them and cultivate them, to cultivate good habits and not not rely on ourselves, but only relying on Jesus. So when we, when we participate in the Christian life, when we, um, when we read the Bible, when we pray, when we pray the rosary, when we, uh, recite the creed when we want to go to church we want to stop by for a few minutes for a few moments before the tabernacle or we sit down on the park bench or we find somewhere quiet at work to be left alone and we recite a hail mary that is the holy spirit working in us through us through Jesus. Jesus is the, the channel for the Spirit to come to come to us. We receive him because in our baptism, in our baptism, we died with him. We are immersed in him. We are absorbed into him. And he into our lives. And we receive the Spirit that that unites, that is the bond between the Father and the Son, we are now emulated, we are absorbed, and they come into our lives. It's, it's, a, you know, it's a process, and it's a, it's a life. We are participating in the life of, of the Trinity, and the Trinity is in our life. <clears throat> and that it all happens through, through Jesus. He comes down at the time he comes down from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. It's a very simple, a simple verse. It's a very simple introduction. But here, remember, it's 
basically through uh, this is basically through the preaching of Saint Peter. And and as he was coming up out of the water, he beheld the heavens break open, and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. <clears throat> some some uh, some translations will say the heavens opened. Some translations will say torn apart, ripped asunder. It's basically, yeah, it's pointing back to the Adam, because Jesus is the true Adam. Not just the new Adam, but the true Adam. And therefore, because of this, because of this, our Lord satisfied the desire of the Father. He satisfies it. And he steps into the water as, as a representative of humanity, as the true source of humanity. He goes down into the water. Those, I, I'm going to say this, you know, this is, this is basically my own loose interpretation, but those 30 years of part of living among us, those 30 years of human life, right you know walking among among the people living among the people working among the people celebrating life among the people uh going to synagogue worshiping among the people family life tragedies births um <sighs> deaths pilgrimages going down to Jerusalem sitting at the table, um, sitting among family members at nighttime. He took all that with him. He took all that life, that experience with him. As God, of course, he doesn't need human experience, but he became a human person. And he was a full person as God, but he took on human nature and he took that human nature with him. He's a divine person. He's a full person. His humanity and his divinity is all is, is, you know, he has a human nature and he has a, 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 a divine nature, a human and divine nature completely, but one person. And he took that with him. He took that with him. In his in, in in into the baptism waters into the waters of Jordan he went down, fully human and fully man of uh, fully divine, and he came out. Fully human, fully divine. You know he took that he, he his his human nature got baptized. Anointed John was the prophet who anointed him, not just with the. Order, but the Father anointed him with the Holy Spirit. This, you are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. And the Holy Spirit, the dove, came down in the form of a dove and lighted on him, anointed him. He was already anointed with the Holy Spirit through his incarnation. But now this was a public anointing in front of the whole world. 
and it's and then you know the and behold the heavens break open the spirit descending upon him like a dove and the voice came from heaven you are my beloved son in you i am well pleased next thing you know he he goes to the desert we he every single person that is baptized okay every single individual catholic orthodox and uh, i would say an orthodox evangelical church that believes in baptism of the father son holy spirit we are all in christ yeah, I'm going to include the Protestants. I'm going to include because a lot of their baptism is valid as long as it's done properly. Um, we are all in him. As Paul says, we are all one in Christ. We're all many members, many parts, but we're all one in him. And it's a beautiful thing because Jesus is participating in our life. The Trinity is participating in our life. The stressful things we go through, the painful things we go through, Christ understands them. He knows them. And he wants to know our our pain and our suffering. It may not be solved. It be crosses that we have to bear. But he wants to participate in this. And he wants us to participate in his life. We receive the, his body and blood and soul and divinity in the sacrament of the Eucharist. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. All right, so let's move on to the um, uh, in the desert. I want to check this out. Okay, so chapter 1, starting from verse 12. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the desert. He remained there for 40 days, during which during which time he was tempted by Satan. He lived there among the wild beasts while the angels ministered to him. Again, very simple, short verses. I'll read it one more time. The spirit immediately drove him out into the desert. He remained there for 40 days, during which time he was tempted by Satan. He lived there among the wild beasts while the angels ministered to him. And this is uh, Mark chapter 12, verse 13. Uh, 12, um, I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 12 to 13. Chapter 1, verse 12 to 13. Okay, I'm going to read from the Catechism, Man's First Sin. And we're going to go look into uh, Article 397. And from there all the way, um, we're going to read as much of it as possible so we can understand uh, the passage here. Man's First Sin, 397. Man tempted by the devil, let his trust in his creator die in his heart. And abusing his freedom, disobeyed God's command. This is what man's first sin consisted of. All subsequent sin would be disobedience towards God and lack of trust in his goodness. In that sin, man preferred himself 
to God, and by that very act scorned him. He chose himself over and against God, against the requirements of his uh, creaturely status, and therefore against his own good. Constituted in a state of holiness, man was destined to be fully divinized by God in glory. Seduced by the devil, he wanted to be like God, but without God, before God, and not in accordance with God. Article 399. Scripture portrays the tragic consequences of this first disobedience. Adam and Eve immediately lose the grace of original holiness. They become afraid of the God of whom they have, con they have conceived a distorted image, but of a God jealous of his, of his prerogatives. Article, this is, that was Article 399, now we're in Article 400. The harmony which they had found themselves thanks to original justice is now destroyed. The control of the soul, of the soul's spiritual, spiritual faculties over the body is shattered. The union of man and woman became subject to tensions, their relations henceforth marked by lust and dom domination. Harmony with, the crea with creation is broken. Visible creation has become alien and hostile to man. Because of man, creation is now subject to its bondage to decay. Finally, the consequences explicitly foretold for this disobedience will come true. Man will be turned to the ground, for out of it he was taken. Death makes its in entrance into human history. After that, after that first sin, he, uh, the world is virtually uh, inundated by sin. There is Cain's murder of his brother Abel and the universal corruption which follows in the wake of sin. Likewise, sin frequently manifests itself in history of Israel, especially as infidelity to the God of the covenant and transgression of the law of Moses. And even after Christ's atonement, sin raises its head in countless ways among Christians. Scripture and the church tradition continually recall the presence and universality of sin in man's history. What Revelation makes known to us is confirmed by our own experience. For when man looks into his own heart, he finds that he is drawn toward what is wrong and sunk in many evils which cannot come from his good creator. Often refusing to acknowledge God as his, cre as his source, man, is, man has also upset the relationship with which, which, uh, which should link him to his last end. And at the same time, he has broken the right order that should reign within himself as well as between himself and other men and all creatures. <clears throat> okay. Now, uh, this one here is 402, Consequences of Man, Adam's Sin for Humanity. 402, all men are implicated in Adam's sin, as St. Paul uh, affirms. By one man's disobedience, many, that is, all men, were made sinners. Sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all men sinned. 
The apostles contrast the universality of sin and death with the universality of salvation in Christ. Then, as one man trespasses led to condemnation for all men, so one man's act of righteousness leads to acquittal and the life for all men. Okay, one thing I'll stop here for now. So, when Jesus went out to the desert, it was also... He was also recalling, remember what happened when Israel wandered into the desert. They complained, they mumbled, they grumbled. Uh, Forty days in the desert is a, a recalling of Israel wandering in the desert. Jesus himself, uh, because at the Jordan River, that's where they crossed over with Joshua. And the name Jesus and Joshua is basically the same thing. Jesus is a, a derivative of Joshua. It just means a savior. Um, and then they came to the Jordan. And the Jordan technically uh, was sort of like their mini crossover, their mini uh, parting of the sea. The Jordan actually parted. And they came in, but they came, they didn't come in with Moses. They came in with Joshua into the promised land. Now, Jesus going into the 40 days and being, temp being put, tempted by the devil was a way to sort of like he was mending the failure of the 12 tribes. Also, the fact that he was with the wild beast is a callback to Genesis you know, being the Adam, the the true Adam, where the first Adam, the created Adam, was uh, was a failure. Jesus living with the wild beast and uh, the devil trying to tempt him. It's the it's the same way the way the devil tempted the first Adam, living in creation, and of course the first Adam failed. Um, and then the angels ministering to him is basically showing the perfection of, of Jesus. Jesus is perfect that even the angels come and minister to him. The angels themselves come to serve him. This is all basically a call, a call back to, you know, Jesus is sort of like tracing the footsteps, but sort of like, I guess you can say correcting correcting what they failed to do, correcting their own, uh, the, their failure and basically starting, he's basically starting anew. He makes all things new, as he says at the end at the apocalypse, behold, I make all things new. Everything is new with him. Everything begins again. It doesn't, we don't forget about what happened, but what with him he is perfection while the while the past is is a complete contrast to him is a history of failure because of original sin because of the of the of the sin in humanity and um the catechism points that out basically because we are constantly hounded our 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 fallen nature are constantly hounded the devil is always constantly hounding us down it's like um I guess since we're going into Advent and means going into Christmas, in the um, the Christmas Carol, you see how um, 
Jacob Marley. Jacob Marley, the uh, Scrooge's old partner who died, comes in. He's got all these heavy chains on him. He's got these money boxes and big locks and everything. And that's his sin. That's his, that's the, that's the sin. It became his, his uh, punishment. Uh, I guess you can say purgatorial maybe, but it came and he's showing him his failure. I should have, my spirit should have walked with, with man. I, mercy, compassion, benevolence, all these things should have been his business. And that's true because in Christ, we can be liberated from our temptations, from our passions, from our lusts, from our addictions, from the things that make us unhappy, we think makes us happy, but only makes our lives miserable. And that's the whole point of it. Okay, I'm going to end it here. I'm glad we got a chance to do this. Uh, so next week hopefully i'll get to do the um we'll start with the uh with the other with the other passages we'll go from there to chapter 1 verse 14 where jesus starts calling um his disciples his messianic mission all right so um let's say a closing prayer in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let me not, O Lord, be puffed up with worldly wisdom which passes away. Grant me that love which never abates, that I may not choose to know anything but Jesus and him crucified. I pray you, loving Jesus, that as you have graciously given me to drink in with delight the words of your knowledge, so you would mercifully grant me to attain one day to you the fountain of all wisdom, and to appear forever before your face. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless.